start this damn thing uh-huh welcome everybody to episode 38 of the handsome hockey podcast no longer in the basement we move it upstairs we have ascended uh-huh. to a higher plane of the first floor the premier etage <laughs> well we are going to cover montreal here in a second so that fits my name is jake and with me is evan you didn't do the i'm not that excited oh yeah i'll get i'll get more excited about other things but i'm not that excited about myself today we're talking about shit too yeah speaking of shit stanley cup playoffs they're going they're still going they're here tampa has taken a commanding lead but uh, montreal endured a withering of shots and some incredibly close calls last night to force a game five get off the schneid and uh make it a real series yeah i mean you know a lot of people have been speculating that they wanted to lose so they can win at home and everyone else is like no that's the dumbest idea for a professional athlete in the world nobody ever does that although i would be interested to see what the stats are like across all sports because i do think there's a reason that maybe it happens more often that you win at home because I think, well, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's hard to win on the road and it's hard to close at a series. And then also, you know, doubt creeps into your mind where you're like, ah, maybe, maybe it would be nicer to party at home after we win this. It's not like it's that long of a plane ride and it's a chartered flight. So like, right. You're going to have fun either way. You're not wrong. I just think it, you know, there's maybe a, a psychological element, but they are definitely not trying to lose. Yeah. Plus, on like a four-hour flight from Montreal to Tampa Bay, it's not like you're not going to have a driver when you get there. You can party, and then you you get home, and your wife just goes, ah, Nikita. <laughs> I know you've been cross-checked in the hip 12 times a game, uh, but you need to do the dishes. <laughs> and he's like, I'll do dishes tomorrow. <laughs> and by dishes, he means he will rinse out the Stanley Cup. Ah, ha, ha. Very that, good. I hate that joke. I'm nah, sorry. it was good. Sorry to everybody. Um, yeah, I think my favorite stat from this finals is that uh, Victor Hedman became the first player to score in all 12 calendar months. That has to do with weirdness of schedule and the fact that we've had some, you know, COVID fuckery. But that's really crazy and kind of awesome. What a cool stat. Like, that will probably never be equaled. I yeah, mean, barring another pandemic which until we just go to 12 months of solid nhl schedule and no off season which i'm sure the pl- players will love mm-hmm. everybody will be operating <laughs> at 18 million over the cap by then <laughs> uh i just think it's kind of funny um you know if you're a, like a habs fan if you were at montreal like obviously you you want your team to win extend the series blah blah, blah. but also if you're a hockey fan you maybe don't go to every hockey game and maybe you don't go to any hockey games anymore because you paid twelve thousand dollar canadian for those tickets twenty thousand oh whatever the, the, they, something they obscene. released extra seats and the cheapest one was almost twenty thousand dollars that's stupid but also hilarious i mean it costs less to fly to tampa and get a ticket the there <laughs> and rent a hotel and there was a guy who like wore a leafs jersey and you're like are you are you hate 
paying 20,000 Canadian to watch a game. That's embarrassing. Uh, less embarrassing than the guy that missed his firstborn child's birth to see the game and made a poster so that everyone knows about it. That's right up there with the woman who like held out the sign at the Tour de France and knocked over like 300 riders. And- I mean, that's, that's worse. But uh, this guy just got dunked on by everybody. She's she's like running from the cops. Oh, she got arrested. Oh, yeah. She got arrested. Her- I mean, they're going to sue her, they said. Oh, the well she faces like some small fine or right. whatever but she yeah the tour de france and like dozens of riders were like yeah we're suing this woman would you rather as a habs fan see your team win and prolong this suffering of a playoff series or would you rather just see your team lose and see the cup presented as a hockey fan as a fan of a team kind of two different things if i were in that situation i might just pick the seeing the cup in person I mean, there's so much mystique around the cup. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, see it presented. It's I, got its own Twitter handle. It does, and it has been trying to seduce Tampa Bay ever since Tampa Bay was made it into the finals. It, it has been kind of funny to see that. Did you see the exchange? It was like, "Hey, Tampa, want to go out a second time?" And then someone from Montreal was like, "Bitch, you want to go out for the twenty-sixth time? You <laughs> cheating whore!" <laughs> it was like, "That's funny." <laughs> the series has been pretty boring. Uh, lots of Tampa doing Tampa things. A little bit of Carey Price doing a little bit of Carey Price things he's, here in game four. He's been pretty great as of late. A lot of people were like, yeah, he's cooked. And then, what, he had like an 830 save percentage through the first couple of games. But yeah. this last game, he looked amazing. I mean, all in all, with a minute and change left, Kucherov puts one barely off the crossbar and, you know, misses winning another cup by inches um so if that's you know an inch to the left like we're talking about a very different situation here but a quarter of an inch the other way and he would have missed completely thank you thank you gordon bombay (laughs) i've probably been waiting to use that since we started this podcast (laughs) a good seven months at this point (laughs) So speaking of something else we're waiting anxiously for, uh, the NWHL is going to have another season, and they held the draft recently, and we've got a couple highlights for you. Yeah, and we are going to do a much deeper dive on the upcoming NWHL season here in probably like a month or so. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the draft in more in depth, uh, player signings, because you know there's a relatively large roster turnover in the NWHL. So yeah, it's... That- so interesting it, it's like kind of in between i don't know it's like college basketball meets beer league hockey <laughs> you don't have like star players changing hands in other leagues as nearly as much as the nwhl i don't i just reading about it it's like oh she went to that team oh she she went to that team oh wow that's that's interesting cool fun i mean like it seems like all of the teams are more or less completely retooled Except for maybe Boston. Yeah, Boston's got a good thing going. They're just like, yeah, right. let's keep paying these people. Yeah, we did see uh, Soroya Tinker sign up with the hometown Toronto Six. Awesome. Uh, which is awesome. Um, speaking of the draft, as we were alluding to earlier, Taylor Gerard, a forward, forward from Kinnipiac or Quinnipiac. I think it's Kinnipiac. I think it depends on how much of a stickler you're trying to be. But uh, I'm going to go with Kinnipiac. 
And it was drafted first overall by the Connecticut Whale. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to say Evan is how I say <laughs> Connecticut Whale. Robert Morris University, who just canceled their women's and men's programs, uh, had three players drafted, which was the most of any college, you know, showing up. It's not like they were doing anything next year. It was showing. Yeah, it was like Robert Morris was just showing out for as like a farewell send off. They're like, well, we got rid of this team. So how do we make it even worse? Oh, three (laughs) of our players got drafted. It turns out we had a pretty solid program. Cool. Yeah. Robert Morris is they actually were the last division one school. They they had an outpost in Chicago or have an outpost in Chicago and they had a D one program for a a while too. Um, I don't know. That whole story is crazy. It was blindsiding to, I know everyone on that team and, and whatnot. And it sounds like some BS went down. It kind of reminds me of when I was in high school and like we had a good boys swimming program and then budget cuts were just like, Oh, Nope. You go on the chopping block. And they're like, well, we're keeping that fencing team that hasn't won a match <laughs> in 47 years though. Yeah, in this case, we were keeping a, a football like, team that went 0-9 that year. And costs <laughs> yeah. significantly more than you. Speaking of Robert Morris University, however, uh, Emily Harley, a defenseman from Robert Morris, went second overall to the Buffalo Buttes. And Megan Barris, uh, forward from Boston College, went third to Toronto. Also happening in women's hockey. And we're kind of, sadly, kind of breezed through this, but... Gary Bettman opened his fucking mouth, <laughs> which is never good. He should just hide. Yeah, he really is better when he doesn't talk. Yeah. He's like that really hot looking tall guy at the bar that isn't talking to anybody. And you're like, oh, it, strong, silent type. And, and nope. then it's like, oh, no, you're better off silent. You're shockingly dumb. <laughs> right. Bettman's statement was, if you're going to make a go of a new league, you have to have all of your ducks in a row. Our hope is that the women's pro landscape can be more unified going forward. At the right time and under the right circumstances, we see a role for us. Which is basically Gary Bettman saying, we'll play when you get your shit together or our interest level in this is near zero. Yeah, which is kind of BS and a little bit of gaslighting because they very much have their ducks in a row. Like, both of these leagues survive, or the league being the NWHL and the... uh, conglomeration of players being the pwhpa i would say succeeded in covid against a lot of adversity and to say that they don't have their ducks in a row is just a completely wrong take and also you know asking for them to be more unified like the reason that these two groups of players aren't more unified is because of the nhl's kind of relationship to women's hockey and the fact that they have not gone in on assisting uh, a league yet. If the NHL were to step in, that would probably unify these two things into a league. Like, it, I don't know. He's just playing dumb like he, you know, we'll get to this later, like he did with the Blackhawks thing. But, it, like, yeah, he's just being a, a poop. If only there were a, like, test case where a men's league had financially backed a women's league and that women's league year after year continues to thrive and expand and oh hi nba how are you doing oh <laughs> wnba what are you that's pay no attention to the man behind the curtain so as we said we are going to 
go a little bit more in depth well a lot more in depth on the nwhl off season here and like maybe a month or so we'll make sure that we get that the uh the full preview before the nwhl starts unfortunately we have a lot of shit to talk about today that most of which is bad um but before we do that we've got an nhl awards recap uh adam fox won the norris which yeah awesome i mean i guess that was the only one that was really in doubt (laughs) was like who's gonna win the norris is it gonna be adam fox or Kel McCarr, who came in very close second, and then like a bunch of Victor Hedman legacy votes in third, because he's, you know, obviously in the conversation year after year, but he did not have the year this year. Yeah, clearly dinged up for a good portion of the year. There was a first place vote for fucking Chris Letang. Like, I. That person shouldn't be allowed to vote. Anymore. Yeah, I think you should. I don't know. Did Chris Letang get to vote? <laughs> Chris Letang's mom was like, I'm penciling in my son. Right. There was also a first place vote for Jacob Chikrin, which, okay, he had a really good year. Like, I wanted him to be further into the Norris conversation than he got. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> the Chris Letang vote was hilarious because he was in the trade block for half the year. Yeah, well, and w- is again now. Like, <laughs> He was pretty good. I mean, he was on my fantasy team and performed pretty well fantasy wise but i don't know but first just, place yeah chris letang's mom's bra- ballot was just number one <laughs> chris letang number two chris letang number four chris letang and back in number three you guessed it chris letang <laughs> i mean uh yeah adam fox totally deserved to win he was an absolute beast in the ice uh drove play for that team and they got infinitely better when he came back from some injury time he missed another kind of duh case was the calder who we like started out talking early in the year and then it was like oh this is this is over this is over yeah one non kareel kaprizov first place vote mm-hmm. everything else first place kareel kaprizov jason robertson with a yeah, like one pity one, vote. One congratulatory vote from like, a Dallas writer. He was a far second. Yeah, Kirill Kaprizov was amazing and ran away with it. You know, he put an entire team... He changed an entire team. I wouldn't say put the Wild on his it's back. It's organization. But, like, they went from being a kind of boring style of hockey, you know, kind of lame... Like, their colors are like the Crayola colors from the 90s, the, the Crayola bolds. Uh, like, there's just uh, something is stale about this Minnesota franchise, which is kind of funny because it's only like, what, 10, 15 years old? Because it's um, not the North Stars. Right. He, like, injected life into this Minnesota Wild organization. And all of a sudden now, they're a fun team to watch. Now he's kind of like... He's now, never coming back. Yeah, though. now he's in uh, salary negotiations with the Wild and like on a boat in Russia and the two teams aren't talking. <laughs> it's like when Bruce Wayne absconds with the Russian ballerinas oh, in yeah. Batman <laughs> <laughs> in uh, Dark Knight, but it's Kirill Kaprizov. How much of a boss move would that be to step in, win the Calder, and then just like go back to the KHL forever? <laughs> I mean, I would play a couple more years and get that money, but yeah. I know. 
but all of your money in the KHL is under the table and in bags of cash and uh, you know you can like launder it through Vladimir Putin yeah <laughs> the lady bing goes to Jacob Slavin whom largely people thought was great except for one dude on Twitter who is a psychopath yeah it's kind of funny that the sportsmanship award drove one man to go insane and start a multi-day rant on twitter it's still going some say it may have the half-life of chernobyl um but it seems about as hot it's like what what's the guy's name um it's not worth it i know the guy's name but let's not even give him okay publicity. That's fi- fine uh our our dozens he, of listeners don't need to go <laughs> look for this guy he seems to think that lady bing should go to the best player that also doesn't take a bunch of penalties. Uh, whereas that's not really how the award has ever really worked. And um, it's a award for specific sportsmanship. And the fact that a really good defensive defenseman took zero penalties on the way to a very successful season is more than enough we to also, win the award. We also forget that Connor McDavid elbowed a man in the face into the ground earlier this year like that's not sportsmanlike (laughs) right you know a completely like he was worthy of supplemental discipline for that hit did he receive it absolutely not because the uh department of player unsafety vending machine just happened to be out of order that day he did get a five thousand dollar suspension or fine yeah so he did get a five thousand dollar fine yeah but then he also did win the Hart Trophy as the best player in the league. like Which he is. He, and, okay. And he won it unanimously, which, like, thank God, because I can't think of anyone else that really deserved a first place vote over Connor McDavid. So there's no reason that Connor McDavid needs to win both the Hart Trophy and the Lady Bang. He won the Lindsay as well. Like, yeah, right. He's fine. <laughs> His feelings aren't hurt. Yeah, the Ted Lindsay Award for the Uninitiated is the uh, Player's Choice Award. Uh, for the best player and he's now won that three of the last five years yeah absolutely deserved finally of the awards that we are deciding to report on uh the vesna went to mark andre Fleur of the vegas golden knights which fucking good fucking right like he has been outside of the vesna conversation looking in for so long where you know mark andre Fleury has been a it's the word I'm looking for, a fixture in the league, and performed really well, had a couple inconsistent seasons that I think cost him the Vesna or uh, got some injury bug, bad luck that cost him the Vesna a couple times. This is a little bit of a lifetime achievement award. It's wholly deserved. He had a great year. I mean, he was supposed to be traded mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year, and then Laner gets hurt, and so he's the guy virtually all year because Laner missed a ton of time and then he had a up until they played montreal he had a very good playoff as well so Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly he wasn't terrible in that playoff carry price was just better glad that you know that he flamed out of the playoffs in some slightly unspectacular fashion didn't hurt him getting the vezina speaking of goaltenders and this comes with a somber tone Mm mm-hmm uh, Matis Kivlenix of the Columbus Blue Jackets passed away on Sunday after he was hit in the chest by a mortar firework up at the home of his goalkeeping coach in Novi, Michigan. He was spending the summer in the United States 
training and mm-hmm. getting ready for this fall. The big rumor is that Columbus is going to have to trade one of their two starting goaltenders this year, either like Corpus Allo or Merzlikens. And so Kivlenix was going to be theoretically as the number three guy in their organization was going to be getting some very solid time in the NHL this year. Yeah, he's kind of their goaltender of the future. And now that entire equation changes. Yeah. And so our hearts go out to him and his family and his friends. Uh, you know, word is in the organization that he was beloved by everyone that knew him. Elvis Merzlikens and his wife both penned very touching memorials to him. Yeah. You know, it's gotta be super shocking to gather for a wedding and, and to lose someone in just a complete tragic mindless accident. It's been, yeah, really hard to hear. doesn't get any easier here. Yeah, no, moving on to other somber notes. We've been following the developments in Canada with the, uh, with the discovery and now kind of systematic uncovering of uh, grave sites outside of residential indigenous schools. There's something like 130 of these former schools in the country. And, you know, this all sort of started with one school in uh, Kamloops, British Columbia, where 215 kids were found buried. And now since then, there have been uh, 182 kids found uh, in unmarked graves in Cranbrook, British Columbia, outside of a school, and uh, 715 kids in Cowessis, Saskatchewan. It's a double-edged sword with this in that we want to know the full extent of what these schools did and the crimes that they perpetrated on the indigenous communities in Canada, but it's a gut punch every time one of these stories comes out and you see, you know, you see the numbers, you see the people's accounts and, and you're, you know, you rehash that history. There's supposed that something like 6,000 plus children died in the course of these schools, mostly from malnutrition, disease and abuse. Neglect. And yeah, just utter neglect, systemic neglect. It came from the top down. You know, these kids were forced into these schools, taken away from their families. Many didn't survive. So, you know, it's important to keep this story going in the hockey community because so many people around hockey have indigenous heritage. Indigenous people have a place in the hockey community, but one that is taken away from them often by the, you know, systemic racism within the hockey community. And so, you know, we need to really hold a light to this story and continue to push for a full accounting of these residential schools terror in Canada and also in the United States. Um, None of these schools that operate in the United States have been brought under the same amount of scrutiny that the schools in Canada are falling under right now. And I'm hoping that that changes soon. Obviously there's a lot of other racial reckonings happening in the United States right now, but I think that that's something that really needs to be, you know, paid attention to by the hockey community and just by, you know, the American political intelligentsia. Too often, these indigenous stories are just like kind of put on the back burner, and that's it's not right. You know, it, it. I think that we need to keep bringing these things to the forefront. We have seen that there's been kind of a response mm-hmm. towards these, and there have been a number of churches throughout mm-hmm. Canada that have been burned theoretically 
because of their connection to these crimes against the indigenous peoples of Canada. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, we've seen people arrested and charged for these. Um, or claim responsibility. Or claim responsibility. But, you know, one kind of surmises that these church burnings, most of which are Catholic, to kind of go with most of the indigenous schools being Catholic, although there were plenty that were Protestant. Very smartly, indigenous leadership has come out against these burnings and said, no, don't burn the churches because that's wrong. But also, these are sites of evidence. There's records. We have lawsuits. We're trying to uncover everything we can about these the history of these schools. Because a lot of this stuff was hidden from view, and that's one of the things that compounds the sense of loss and, and the sense of wrongdoing is, you know, you had this systemic state-sponsored cultural genocide, and a lot of it was done quietly. And a lot of it was done with unmarked graves and with kids that were disappeared, and they need to be brought back into the light if we're going to get any sort of justice and reconciliation. Like, part of me condemns violence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is violence. But part of me says... You can only keep people down for so long before they rise up and slay you. It's still violence. And yeah, I don't support violence of that kind. But the anger that undergirds that violence is understandable. And I'm glad that, you know, these uh, indigenous leaders have come out and said, hey, not only is this not right, it's not in your best interest. I think that that's been really smart on their part. And, you know, hopefully that kind of helps to bring this to a close. But, you know, I don't feel like it's my place to say that, you know, it's completely without, that that it's out of the pale. You know, like, I can kind of understand why you would look to injure the Catholic Church as, as best you can, because, you know, they've done a lot of wrong to a lot of people over the years. Moving on. It's only going to get worse before it gets better. And we promise it gets better, but for a little bit here, it's going to it's gonna be worse. So another scandal where the people in power just really wish that it would go away and keep kind of soft peddling it versus the people that don't have the power and need to keep the people's in power's feet to the fire is happening in Chicago, where the Blackhawks are dealing with a um, sexual assault cover-up scandal that started in 2010 and is now just really starting to hit its stride today. They're dealing with the fallout from having a video coach, Brad Aldrich, abuse a player who has sued the team. And then he went on to abuse another player in Houghton, Michigan, uh, who has also sued the team because the team didn't go to the cops and provided him with a positive recommendation for this job. So the latest developments in the story that we've been covering for a couple of episodes now Chicago Blackhawks have hired the legal team of Jenner and Block LLP, uh, led by federal prosec- former federal prosecutor Reed Shar, uh, to investigate. It's a far cry from uh, an independent investigation, uh, but someone has to pay for a lot uh, an investigation in these types of situations, and so you know this is apparently what we're going to be given. This is the law firm that represented USA Gymnastics in the Larry Nasser scandal. And it's a law firm that is well adept at paying out multi-million dollar settlements and negotiating them. One thing we haven't addressed 
and I was just sort of made aware of is legally these monetary totals that these two lawsuits are seeking for damages. One I think is like 150 grand and one is like 700 grand. They're both placeholders. And so they can actually change that monetary value at will. I wasn't aware of that kind of wrinkle until recently, but I think the hiring of this law firm speaks to maybe where these are going and that we may be looking at much larger settlements than the original lawsuit dollar figure uh, suggested. It sucks that the way we make things go away is by throwing money at it. Like it's true. That sucks. Like there needs, there should be some semblance of justice and justice is not these people get a seven figure. Right. Package, you know, but that's how the, capitalist American way work. You know, it's just rich people throw money at problems that they can't deal with. Our stance in other sexual assault cases that we've covered is that we, we as non victims are in no position to delegate what justice is Mm -hmm. in this. Like justice is determined by the victims Mm -hmm. in this case or cases. I can, however, say what I'd like to see happen. Yeah. And I'd like to see all the Chicago hierarchy gone. Yeah. I think as a Chicago Blackhawks fan, that's what I want. Uh, you know, I don't think that there's, I don't, I, I, you know, in terms of fans and the front office, they have lost the room. Uh, most Chicago Blackhawks fans that I know are pretty disgusted right now. There's been some talk about how this brand has actually kind of been hurt in the last couple of years and how it's kind of done itself some disservices uh, and how they've kind of presented the team and kind of not really rebuilt and they're just doing this sort of middling product on the ice. This is kind of an exponential growth of that. Like, if you're already feeling kind of meh about your team, finding out that they harbored a sexual predator and then let him loose upon the world with nary a saying or statement of ill will. Right. When you had a person that was in your organization saying you need to go to the cops. Like, my desire for people to lose their jobs extends to people who are no longer with the the team okay like if we find out that mark bergevin knew something and did nothing he should be out in montreal like that like this yeah like this should follow you like it follows the victims will it follow mark bergevin no no probably not uh there's the other guy uh travel day off oh who's yeah the gm in uh winnipeg he may actually be more complicit i mean we'll see you know it's really hard to believe that these guys didn't know. They say they didn't know. And uh, Jonathan Taves, who is now back skating officially, says that he didn't know until after after the 2010 Stanley Cup when Brad Aldrich was gone. I find that hard to believe, but also... As the captain? Right. But also somewhat believable. It just, you know, as a captain, that information may be kept away from you, but... It's insane, all of these people saying that they didn't know when you have Daniel Carcillo, who was on the other team, saying, uh, players on our team knew. And then he went to play for the Blackhawks at some point. Another thing that's come out in this scandal is, to nobody's surprise, Brad Aldrich did abuse people at his very short stop at Miami University of Ohio 
in which he went from being a volunteer high school coach after the Blackhawks to then this college job. And then he washed out four months later back to a, a volunteer job at this Houghton High School. And to nobody's surprise, it was because he abused a player. Um, that player did not press charges. But like, he did report it. Yeah, he reported it in great detail. And uh, I don't know, just adds to the insanity of the situation. The, I believe that player did not report until 2018. Okay. Until after Aldrich had been arrested and tried and, and you know, served a sentence and then now is a... It looks like the former player filed a report in 2018. The case was closed when the uh, the alleged victim dropped the case. Mm-hmm. But the matter was with the university police. So they, they as an organization or as an institution are have been aware of the this incident since yeah. at least 2018. They as an institution also didn't follow up, you know, seeing what this guy was doing across state lines. There's some level of complicity there. When pressed with the question, Gary Bettman came up with a amazingly awful response, as he is wont to do. Um, you know, saying we learned relatively recently about these allegations. Yeah, after they've been in the news for like six weeks. This is obviously a matter of litigation. Oh, wow. Yeah, duh. We await findings from the independent investigation. Like, um, it's not all that independent. And if you really wanted it to be independent, you as the NHL could step in and make that investigation independent, Gary. And then also, uh, he would <laughs> say all options are on the table. If there's something that warrants punishment, like we may invade the Blackhawks for oil if they weren't punishment or something. I don't know. When I hear all options, missions accomplished. Yeah. When I hear all options are on the table, I I think like, yeah, F-35s might be screaming over Chicago tomorrow. (laughs) It's perfect timing with Donald Rumsfeld having fucking died. Uh, off to the great unknown unknown. This is when we get back to the good stuff. <laughs> um, Just kidding. So, yeah, and he also goes out of his way to point out that these allegations are quite some time ago. Like, yeah, that's how this shit works. 11 years ago was not that long, and it's not that long for survivors. It's not that long for people that live through trauma. Like, we need to stop treating, you know... Is, sexual assault like it has a five-year shelf life like it does on fucking svu the scandal is deepening and broadening and i'm actually been encouraged by the distaste shown by the chicago fandom that i see against the blackhawks handling of the situation um i think that's what's going to keep the Blackhawks feet to the fire to do the right thing and, uh, you know, make the firings when they need to make these firings. You know, there's also been a lot more coverage recently from national news Mm -hmm. media, um, national hockey media, and things of that nature are encouraging late. Yes. But if they continue to point out, you know, or continue to remind the general public that this is an ongoing situation and that this is a, you know, 
is something that we need to be paying attention to. And we need to be holding these people accountable for their actions, their alleged actions. Then, you know, that that's a good step in the right direction too. You know, it can be a kind of a two pronged assault on the Blackhawks higher ups where they simultaneously are feeling it both from like a media perspective, but also a pocketbook perspective. Yeah, I think that they miscalculated in thinking that the public wouldn't run with this. I mean, I think that's part of the reason for the additional news coverage is your average Joe Blackhawks fans pretty pissed off that in the midst of all that winning, their franchise was harboring a sexual predator. Like, that's disgusting to me. You know, and uh, even apart from having to deal with the Patrick Skane, uh, Patrick, Patrick Kane scandal. Kind of like Patrick Skane, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his alter ego where he has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm Patrick Skane. <laughs> <laughs> having to deal with the Patrick Kane scandal and uh, you know, all of the just dirty feeling that that brought to these Blackhawks cups. Yeah. The lesson here is that a lot of people's heads need to roll in Chicago or formerly of Chicago. And, you know, like people are pissed off to the point where they're going to take their money elsewhere. It's like, especially in Chicago where it's like, Oh wait, there are other sports teams to support with my money in the same building. Like the bulls will be good in two years and the Blackhawks might not be. The Bears have an exciting young new quarterback. You know, like your sports dollars in Chicago are legitimately fought over. You know, you could go see the fire. Nobody goes and sees the fire. (laughs) I bet more people go to watch the Sox than the fire. But in what I'm hoping is the last move that Stan Bowman makes, uh, Duncan Keith has been rumored to be on the trade block to the Oilers and... I will miss him, but boy, am I happy to hear that they might dump his old, underperforming, expensive ass. He was statistically one of the worst defensemen in the league last year and played first line minutes and power play minutes for a team that was bad, partially because he was bad. I didn't really see this story coming from the season, you know, after watching the season. And then like, now I'm seeing a bunch of video highlights of him and I'm just going, oof, after oof, after oof. Um, you know, his analytics are awful. Um, and I think, you know, as someone that has appreciated the career and, you know, amazing talent of Duncan Keith, he was never a very sound like kind of tactical defenseman. He was an amazing physical talent that could chase forwards down after he got stuck in bad situations. And that allowed him to be kind of the aggressive puck mover, you know, power play guy, score a bunch of points guy that he was in the highlight of his career. And if you look at some of the skating and situations that he was in last year, like he just doesn't have it anymore. You know, maybe he can still put up good minutes as a second pairing guy, uh, but I really hope that they move him. My favorite part of this Mm -hmm. is that it's Ken Holland. (laughs) And 
Ken Holland is going to use part of the little amount of cap space that he has as GM of the Oilers who have two of the three best hockey players in the world right on a washed up defenseman so he can get an extra pick absolutely insane when you need to be all in right now the off season is so young why are one of the teams that really should be going for it attached to a 38 year old already won three cups doesn't have a whole lot to play for just because he's got family in the area like uh, that could you could attach yourself to you know any any number of guys across the league if that is your he's standard. got a cup winning mentality to me i think cup winning is a bad thing <laughs> Like, I, you know, there's one thing to, to have one cup under your belt as a young player, and then you bring that to a team. But, like, if you've won three cups, you don't have anything to prove. I think you don't skate as hard. I don't know. Maybe that that's just my reading of the human motivation of that situation and equation. If you were going to swing this trade five years ago... It would be a blockbuster. Okay. I mean, that would be a blockbuster trade five years ago. Because they would be one year removed from a Stanley Cup. Well, Ken Holland also still thinks it's 2016. (laughs) He's just kind of stuck in time. He's looking for a way to bring Justin Applicator back from Switzerland. (laughs) Ken Holland is stuck in 2016 like... My brain sometimes gets stuck in like late 2019 before COVID. It was like, oh yeah, remember when that that thing happened yesterday, but also three years ago? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of trades, Victor yep. Arvidsson was traded to LA for a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 third round pick. Uh, this is that we're going to start to see these sorts of trades come out oh, yeah. where you're like, oh wow, I I don't know why Victor Arvidsson got traded. It's because the predators were going to lose him for nothing in the na- in the expansion draft. Oh yeah. And so they got what they could for him. Well, reportedly Philip Forsberg might be also in discussions with trade. Uh I think what's kind of happening is the predators are taking that rebuild that got shelved while they went on a crazy win streak and made the playoffs and then got shellacked out of the playoffs and and just putting it on this off season. You know, we're talking about two of your best offensive players in play and that they need to move other te- other pieces. Like, yeah, Predators are going to have an in- interesting offseason, I think. Yeah, they could be one of those teams where they finally realize that they need to rebuild. But they also could be one of those teams where it's like, oh, you want to dump some salary? Hey, why don't you give us your first round pick and blah, blah, blah. And then that first round pick becomes like, the fourth pick because they're just trash. <laughs> There's a lot of weird in the middle off seasons that are about to happen where GMs are just like starting to tip their hand, but not wanting to fully tip their hand. Well, if you're in the Pacific next year, you should be all in because it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's just the, the bunny the hill. The best team is Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be real weird. I mean, like, 
maybe that's why Vancouver's standing pat is because they're about to and yet, feel a whole lot Edmonton's better about themselves. bringing in geriatrics. Yeah, right. Who are a year older than me. <laughs> um, it's definitely depressing when, like, you see, oh man, this is you know they're breaking records for being the oldest player to do blah 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 blah, and it's like, oh man, they're my age. Oh, that's great. It is really nice that moment where i realized i couldn't idolize professional athletes anymore was a really nice moment in time (laughs) that happened you know over a decade ago but still it's just like wait i'm the same age as these guys it's really (laughs) stupid for me to look at look up to them I, i i'm no longer at a point where if i try hard i get there too (laughs) like that ship sailed when I was born. But, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, I always love... Uh, I, one of the things I, like, quote you out to other people a lot is something you told me about turning 30. And you said, uh, when I turn 30, people stop talking about my potential. And, <laughs> like, I love that line so hard. <laughs> Just being disappointed about where I'm now at. Yeah. Um, oh, also, the Wild resigned Erickson Eck and Nick Bukestad. Uh those are nice signings. Yeah, real good signings. They've got they've got a lot of work to do this year. Most of it in Russia, but uh, <laughs> you know we'll we'll see how that 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 turns out. And speaking of signings, I think we're ready to sign off. Yeah, I've got apps. It's hot in here, and I've got nothing left in the tank. It is late. Oh, so by the time you hear this, the Stanley Cup Finals will probably be over. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on their conclusive five game. Uh, mini sweep extended sweep of the montreal canadians <laughs> I, I liked liked one of my own tweets is the tampa bay lightnings have won the stanley cup in three games yeah it was just game one you were just like <laughs> well but yeah good run hard to see them not winning at home but you know you were up three one has been said before to by montreal so we'll see 60 fucking years ago <laughs> i think we're okay no i mean the leafs were up 3-1 in that series weren't they oh i thought we were talking about stanley cup finals history. oh yeah. yeah no and that but, was against the red wings thanks for dredging up those things that happened 40 years before i was born i needed to terrorize you somehow you turd <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank you everybody for listening uh we really appreciate you kind of taking this weird ass ride with us um Every time we get to this point, I try and say something profound and it just comes out as really stupid. So once again, (laughs) I'm just going to jump into it. So you can find us anywhere you want on the internet. We are at handsomehockey.com is our website. Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram at Handsome Hockey on Twitter. HandsomeHockeyPod at gmail.com if you want to send us some crazy news that we should look into if you want to you know swear at us that's fine too you know we're big boys we can deal with it Uh, you can also check out our handsome hockey facebook page where we post episodes and the occasional meme self-created meme and you know other weird wild stuff and obviously you're listening to the podcast somewhere but we are on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon podcast stitcher TuneIn, overcast red circle and youtube Thank you once again for listening to everybody. Uh, stay safe out there. Keep cool. This this fucking sucks too. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, stay safe out there. Keep cool. Yeah. Stay handsome. Stay I handsome, everybody. I think that works. Yeah.
Yeah, stay right. handsome, everybody. How many times can I say it? How many times can I say stay handsome, everybody, before we shut up? I mean, I'm just supposed to say at the end of the episode, stay handsome, everybody. And now I'm just keep saying stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau, tout le monde. Stay handsome, everybody.